Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah, we've been wanting to do this for a long time. Maria and I have been talking about taking our show on the road, but we've never... Usually we record in this tiny little hot studio. It's like the size of a bathroom at the newspaper. And it's just us and a bottle of Thank wine. Thank you. Usually. Okay, so we need a <laughs> microphone, right? Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses your stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Crillo, and I'm the enterprise editor at the Times. Last week on the podcast, we shared a conversation with Christopher Gofford of the LA Times. The episode was recorded before a live audience in Norway. We also managed a second episode where we invited two volunteers up to be interviewed by Lane. This was a podcast idea we'd been batting around for some time go to a bar, and then ask people to discuss one of the questions that Lane uses when she's trying to draw out a character sketch. We thought it would be valuable listening to her in action, asking follow-up questions. We're so grateful to our volunteers, Terje Engelshag, a journalist turned politician in Norway, and to Andy Mills, a producer and reporter for the New York Times, The Daily Podcast. Today's topic, what do you regret? My name is Terje Engelshag. And you can repeat that, please. <laughs> <laughs> and you are a reformed journalist, right? A former journalist? Yes. Okay. And you are now a politician, I hear? Uh, well. Sort of? Well, yeah. no, com no comments. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're all right. also a member of a board, the board here that put on this wonderful conference. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So you do your thing. Let's do. So tell, okay. tell everybody what's your question. So this is a little weird because if I was interviewing him for a story, I would start out with some background and somehow we got to this place. But since we're in a tight time crunch, I'm going to just simply ask one question, which is my favorite question, and then we'll do some follow-ups with that. Um, so this, I would never start with this question, by the way. This would usually be like my last question of an interview. Um, but I've, I think it's very telling. Um, I talked a little bit earlier in a different session about finding the bruise on the apple, and it's really hard to get people to say, if you're the most wonderful, perfect person in the world, what's wrong with you? You know, right? What, what, what is the matter with you that we can find something? And I'm not trying to find out what's wrong with you or what's the matter with you, <laughs> <laughs> I promise. But my question that I found is most effective in getting people to open that up, open themselves up about that is simply, what do you regret? Do you have any regrets? Many. <laughs> What's your biggest regret? Well, um, you know, when you get old, you think about your life and what should have been different. And um, one of my regrets is that I was in love as a boy when I was, was, I was 14. And there was, um, there was this beautiful girl. I remember it so well. She was dark. Slim, lively. She had a ponytail and the freckles over her nose, and I fell in love with her, but I never told her. 
And um, a few days later, she was on a visit and she left, went back home to Drammen. Uh, <laughs> and a few days later, a friend of hers said that she had a crush on me. So. You didn't know that Aww. at the time? I, di I didn't know that, no, no, no. I have absolutely no self-confidence. <laughs> <laughs> so that is one of my regrets, yes. And it, it keeps coming back to me. Why, why do you think that is? What could, I, could it have been? I, I think it would have been great. Yes. <laughs> and all these years later, you still wonder what could have been? Yes, I do. <laughs> did, you, did, did that happen over the whole amount of time, or has it just been in more recent years as you've been looking back? Yeah. Uh, it surprises me. It comes back all the time. It was only uh, during a summer, and I really regret that. <laughs> and at the time, were you toying with the idea of should I tell her, should I not tell her, or was that oh, never yes. enough? Yeah. Oh yes, I was toying with the idea, <laughs> but I always lost my nerve. I mean, she was so pretty, I couldn't <laughs> believe that she would be interested in me. And you were 14. Yeah. At that time, had you ever said I love you to anyone? Pro probably to my mother. Your mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, not to any girls. It, oh, it, many years went by before I did that. It was in high school. Then I started saying, I love you to girls. So yes. another four or five years before yeah, you got up the yeah, guts yeah, to do that. Yeah. Have you looked for her or thought, of, like, thought about finding her on Facebook or tracking her down? No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> I want to keep that image of her. When she was 14, she was so lovely, and she will follow me to my grave. Aww. <laughs> what a wonderful answer. Mm. <laughs> How do you think that affected your future relationships, or your ability to, talk, to tell somebody that? I, I don't know. I don't know. Her, uh, the memory of her is stronger now than it was, I mean, 10 years after it happened. I went in my 20s, I didn't think much of her, but now she's come back very, very <laughs> strong, yes. So I, I don't think it had any, I got married, I, we s stayed together 38 years before we found out that uh, we, Enough is enough. <laughs> <laughs> and let's hope your ex-wife doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm here. It's in English, and she, I don't think she listens. <laughs> okay, okay, we're, we're good. <laughs> Did you ever tell your wife about this girl? No. No. No, no. And, and do you, I mean, you're a writer. You're an imaginative. Do you ever imagine what happened to her life along the way? Or what became yes, her? yes, I think about it. Uh, yes. Uh, but I, I, I know this friend of hers, but I've never asked her. No, I just carry her inside. Mm. You don't want to know? No. The 14 year old version no. is. No, I want to keep the that best. image. Yes. That was wonderful. Mm. What nice. a great image. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> one more, one more. 
So we have another volunteer. Andy, where are you? Right All right, come on up, man. <laughs> That's how I like to get my people ripped in. <laughs> so Andy Mills of the New York Times is joining us now. Hello. Does this work? Yeah. yeah. You're there. Hi, All right. Thanks for volunteering. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so you know the question. I, I met Andy last night briefly for the first time, so we have like not really much of a relationship over than, other than drinking a drink together. It's um, true. Tell us about your biggest regret. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Yeah. I mean, biggest is the problem. I have regrets. I, mean, I try and live like I don't. I don't. I'm not somebody who like has a hard time falling asleep at night. Like I lay on the pillow and I'm out. So I think that's a good sign that I'm not living like haunted by regrets. You're lucky. But uh, you know, I, I I talk about this from time to time, especially when I'm in conferences and groups like this. And I talked a little bit about it today at my session. Um, I used to be a religious, very religious. I was a I guess I'd say I was a fundamentalist Christian. I used, before 9-11, saying the word fundamentalist Christian felt okay to me. And then afterwards, I'm like, the word fundamentalist has a new ring to it. <laughs> and I ain't looking to wear. Um, but I believed, I guess, a lot of simpler things about the state of the world and the state of the universe. And I believed that the Bible was perfect. I believed that everything you needed to know about life lived between its covers. I believed strongly that this life was this small thing and that eternity was this enormous thing and that just logically it didn't make sense to worry too much about this one when the next one was what was more important. And then things got more complicated and eventually I just completely left my faith altogether. And I do sometimes feel this regret that I didn't find a way to reconcile, like so many people. Some people here in Norway have this tradition of like a very open-minded religion, a very open-minded Christianity, a very loose grip on what God is and what the fundamental rules to being a person are while still having some sort of a grip on faith. And I think that I do sometimes regret just totally bailing completely. Although at the time it felt pretty good. <laughs> How does that manifest itself? Like when does that come up that you start thinking, well maybe, maybe I didn't embrace enough piece of this or maybe I didn't give it enough of a chance? Well, I, I miss prayer. I miss, in some ways, I think I was a better person. Really? I was more considerate. Like every night before I went to bed for many years, most of my life, I would think of others as I'd fall asleep. I would walk through the day and I would go chronologically, who did I see today? And I would think of them, I would think, I saw my roommate he mentioned that he was nervous about a test coming up. God, please help. 
him with that test. I got a phone call from my sister. What did she talk about again? Oh yeah, I, she was talking about how she was nervous about you know, her son and his doctor's appointment. God, please give her comfort. Then I saw my professor. God, please be with, you know, I would just think through the whole time. And that's just such a damn considerate way to be a person, you know? <laughs> and like, I'll be honest, when I go to bed now, I'm just like, me, 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 me. <laughs> Today was a pretty good day. Hope tomorrow's also pretty good for me. You know? But what do you do with that then? I mean, he didn't want to find this girl again, but you could certainly embrace prayer or God and some semblance again, unless you've totally decided, like, that's fiction. Like, there's no oh, point I try. In that there are apps. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that answer. <laughs> trying on some apps, for sure. Uh, I try to meditate, um, which is helpful. I exercise, which is helpful. But whenever I try to pray, like close my eyes and say, in the rhythms that feel so familiar, you know, God, please be with, I suddenly feel like a phony, you know? Because when I used to say that, I really believed that there was a, there was a, there was a God who was like a super being who had crazy love for me and it was a good feeling and the absence of that now it feels like a breakup you know it feels it feels like like leaving a voicemail on your ex's you know <laughs> voicemail phone and you're like I'm regretting every word <laughs> of this uh, she won't call back you know but it's even weirder because it's not like it's not like me and God had a fight and broke up like yeah I just stopped thinking that he existed and that that's a breakup at least has a fight at the end and you could look back on it it's like she died it's like your ex-girlfriend doesn't exist anymore yeah or like died at sea and we never got to bury the body you know uh, do you ever <laughs> that's a really dark thought I'm sorry <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. And you've never felt, I guess if he doesn't exist anymore, you've never felt him calling, him, her, it calling you back. I mean, I remember my last prayer. And I was in South Sudan. And... I had, it was my first journalism job, and I had had like a three-year journey of more and more doubts. Like, I doubted hell was real, which was a real relief. <laughs> <laughs> I started to question if sin was real. I started to question whether or not 
all religions were just trying to answer the same difficult problems of being a person. And then I saw injustice. And I went on a walk, and I love to pray. So I started to pray. And I found myself just saying, like, I'm not going to do this anymore. But if you're real, if you're out there, like, I'll be around. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going to not have an open eye and an open ear, but you just got to find a better way to communicate. And it's, it's kind of in your court, you know? Like, it's on you now. Like, I've, I searched, and now, like, if you want to reach out, I'm going to need a burning bush. You know, I'm going to need something. You did. You wanted a sign. Like, I need, you gave I me need a sign. Some, it doesn't have to be now. It can be later. So I'm going to try and keep that promise. And if I see a burning bush, oh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm serious. I've changed... I have fundamentally changed my foundational beliefs twice in my life. And I think that it would be unwise to say that it won't happen again. And who knows? I love that. New, that's my new question or my 30 questions. What was your last prayer? I know. I love great. that. I love that. What, so there's a family dynamic, right, at play too? I mean, I'm, and so I'm guessing that you were raised in a religious family. Uh, or no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... What has this done with your relationships with your family? Are they, they still people of faith? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you have to tell them? Uh, yeah. Do they know how you there's feel some, now? There's some other regrets for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the tone that I took was very condescending, and I really regret that. Um, I was 20, 21, and I had gone off to Christian University hopes of being some sort of minister or evangelist. And I learned things there about the creation of the Bible, and I learned things there about certain inconsistencies inside of the story that the Bible told. I also learned that like there was this whole history of the Christian church, and at each chapter of it, what was seen as the right Christian beliefs changed a lot. And I became very like know-it-all when I would go talk to my dad and my uncles, you know. Oh, you believe that? Well, according to John 18, you know, and um, that wasn't the right thing. I think that they felt that I was just some kid who read two books and pawned off the ideas like they were mine. And I wish that I had thought, I wish that I had talked to them the way that I would eventually one day speak to Muslims because. It was easier for me to have a deep respect, even though I have strong disagreements with the Muslims I would meet in Sudan and in Egypt and in Morocco and in Iraq. I would never think of speaking to them so offensively, even though I also disagree with their religious beliefs. But for some reason, because it was my own and my own family, I was just totally disrespectful to what they had to say and uh, very angsty. I also started painting my fingernails black, which you know really didn't fit in well. Is that another regret? Uh, a little bit of a regret. <laughs> I mean, I try, you got to try stuff. You got to try stuff. Yeah, anyway. Did they feel like they, you were rejecting them when you rejected God and their religion? 
Or was that even part Probably. of your intention? Like, you got to cut off this part of yourself to become this new part of yourself? Partly that, but honestly, I don't know how... Uh, there are many ways to be a Christian, and the ways that much of my family was a Christian was very close-minded. They had... it, And... and and not just like to what other people believe, but they, they believed that there was, they always would say the truth is black and white, not gray, which turns out I think to be completely opposite of the case. But <laughs> they always would say the truth is black and white, not gray. And one of the things they believed was that to enter the kingdom of heaven, one must follow these six steps of salvation. And they now believed I was outside of that. And I think that they were genuinely worried that when they reached the eternal hereafter, they wouldn't see me there. You wouldn't be there. And I think that that's, a, that's kind of beautiful. Like, you know, they still pray for me. And instead of being like, pray to your magical king, God, you know, like, <laughs> I see that, like, that's loving in a way. And a little judgy. But also... <laughs> <laughs> but also loving. And I think that that's, that's the part I choose to do. With a good intention. Yeah. And let's hope your parents don't listen to the podcast then, too. Well, me and I, I, so I didn't leave alone. When I really left the faith, I left with um, four or five of my best friends who also were studying to be ministers of some kind. Wow. We all, it took a few years. It wasn't like one morning we woke up. Um, but all of us joke that, like, all of our kids are totally going to be Mormon. You know, like, they're just going <laughs> to rebel. You know, or there'll be some new Facebook religion by then, and they're all going to sign up for it, and we're going to be like, oh, boy. Wait, so at some point, you were actually studying to be a minister? Uh, that, or that was something in your head to, to you do? You were a minister, yeah. right, for a bit? I, I, I did some preaching, yeah. which is a thing that they encourage young men to do in my part of the world. And uh, I've never been bashful on a stage, and I loved to read the Bible. And so at a young age... Um, I had preached this sermon, I think I was 12, Jeez. and it was like, puberty is really awkward and <laughs> awful for everyone. Um, that was the sermon? That was the time in my oh, life. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I preached this sermon, and I don't know, like, at 12 years old, who's listening to that guy? But, like, I, I, I had done a good job of, like, hitting the beats and the rhythms of that kind of storytelling, and... Uh, I wasn't very good at sports or anything like that. And so when I stepped off stage and all of these older men who I respected in our community came up to shake my hand and say that that was good and that God had given me a gift, it meant, it meant the world to me. I thought truly God had bestowed this gift on me um, the way that he had like bestowed the gift of being really good at, bat, uh, at volleyball to my sister, <laughs> which was like, Everyone gets their thing, and uh, I was happy to have my thing. Also, my, my grandfather was a preacher, and he passed away very young. I never met him, and I had a kind of one of those kind of weird... When you're a kid, you know, you feel as if you walk in the footsteps of your ancestors a little bit, and I kind of had this thought of, like, God's maybe calling me to live the life that uh, my grandfather didn't get to because he, he died young. Finish what he'd done, yeah. finish his legacy. Yeah. yeah. Wow, we're having a real weird conversation right now in front of all these people. My favorite kind. <laughs> so hang in there a second. Um, so I was, I was taking notes as we were talking. Because, so Lane was saying, you know, she asks a lot of questions. You don't just ask that question. That's usually my last question. Usually your last question. Um, but it was interesting to me and probably to you guys as you're listening to both of these men talk about their regrets, like what it, it reveals to you about them, right? So Terje and I'm probably killing your name, aren't I? But okay. Um, 
is a romantic, right? I mean, clearly he's a romantic. And what, I don't know if his buddy Bjorn knew he was such a romantic. Did you know he was such a romantic? <laughs> Maybe not. Um, but wait, what did, right? Didn't you feel like you got a sense? Absolutely. I mean, if I was writing a profile about you as a politician, that would totally make my profile. Because it says something so personal and endearing about you and human about you that has nothing to do with right. politics or journalism or your career. You know. And then, so Andy's telling his story, and I, I, it's interesting to, to be patient, which you try to be, and let people kind of go where the story's going to take them and then see as you're going along, you know, what layers kind of get revealed to you as you're doing the interview, right? Absolutely, and I had to learn to sit through silences. I think probably five years ago, I might have interrupted you a lot more, but I could tell you're thinking and formulating your thoughts. You're not done, you know? And, and I think, to, I'm, I'm super chatty like you, and, and I think that's hard to discipline yourself sometimes in an interview, um, to not want to keep prompting somebody or not want to keep asking that follow-up, follow-up, follow-up question right away, you know? But I, I think usually the best truths come after moments of silence and reflection, so. How often do people answer you and then go, and what's your greatest regret? <laughs> <laughs> Is it common? That's, that's my scariest thing, that they're gonna turn it back on me. Actually, my, the question I hate most when I'm interviewing someone is, especially if we end up talking about religion or God, is, do you believe? Do you go to church? And I never know what to say. Because it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> and I also I don't want to alienate somebody, but I also don't want to be a poser, you know? So I usually would say something like, Well, I grew up in the church, but I haven't been in years. Or I still go to church with my parents on holidays, you know, but I try not to bring my own beliefs into something because I don't want to alienate or judge the person that I'm interviewing or talking to. You know, I want to find a connection more, you know. Like I like I think if we were having a long conversation interview over a beer, I would share that with you a little bit. Like, yeah, I don't really think I believe in God anymore either, you know, but not at the beginning and not if I felt you still strongly believed in that, you know. Yeah, it's tough when you're a reporter. It's hard to know always, like, you want to mimic the behavior that you're hoping to get back. So right. one way of doing that, I heard this New Yorker reporter talk about this at a conference recently where she said that in her, she tries to be chatty in her first two or three back and forths to model how talkative she hopes they are, and then she shuts up, mm -hmm. you know? And I thought that was interesting. That's a great technique. Um, and I sometimes try and be really confessional with people in hopes that they will be, um, but then also you're, you're nervous that you might say something that totally alienates you. Right, or offends them, them some way, yeah. yeah. I, it took me a long time to stop holding my notebook up as a shield and pretending that I wasn't a person, you know? I'm just here for the information, you know? And, and then I think, actually I think it was because when I got pregnant the first time, and at, you couldn't not be pregnant when you were interviewing people, whether it was a politician <laughs> or a commercial fisherman or whatever. And so then they would want to ask me, oh, when's the baby due, blah, blah, blah. And I felt like, it's not about me, you know? But, but five minutes of, of like, hey, here's who I am, I think really does put people at ease. You know, so I have a little like fast forward, like I'm a mom, I'm married to a drummer, I have two bad dogs and an old car. You know, like that's, that's kind of my shtick. Like, okay, all of a sudden I'm not just laying a reporter, you know, I'm a person. But 
I think you kind of, especially in an intimate interview, when you're asking someone to bar, bear their soul, not like when's the skyscraper going up, you know, when you really want to know a person, you have to give a little bit of yourself. Don't you think? I agree. I totally agree. The parts that become tricky is when you're speaking to someone who sees the world radically different than you do. Absolutely. I was recently interviewing somebody about their views on the Middle East, and they were very strong. They had really strong opinions about the Middle East, and I have a pretty open mind about all the stuff that's happening there. And I was like afraid she'd find out that I had an open mind because like she seemed like somebody who doesn't often meet anyone who doesn't share her exact beliefs. And the whole time I was freaking out a little bit. <laughs> She's gonna discover you. <laughs> okay. If you guys would help us thank these guys for opening up, we really appreciate thank it you so much. Okay, if you have a question for Lane or would like to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.